Hallelujah. If you don't know who I am, it's, I'm the pastor, uh, first, lead pastor here at First Open Bible. My name is Pastor Harris Holzapple IV, and uh, it's my honor today to bring God's word to you because we're going to conclude our monthly series titled Open Handed. Offer what you have. Anybody been blessed by the series? Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. See, God calls all his children to be generous with their time, their talents, and their treasures. Amen? Amen? Church, when we learn to be cheerful givers, we gain freedom from pettiness and selfishness. For generosity is a path to godly blessings. Anybody been a giver? Anybody been generous before and, and see what God has done in your own life? Raise your hand in the air like you do care. Hey. 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 Praise God. Church, we've got to embrace gratitude and thankfulness so we can tap into the heart of God. Amen. Now, God has called all his children to be open-handed. Will you just put your hands open right now? That's what God has called us to. Two things. First, to receive and be thankful. Next, open it back up and be cheerful. Amen? God has called us to be open-handed with our time, our talents, and our treasures. Being open-handed involves everything about our lives. There are times to open your hands to receive from the Lord, and then there are other times to open your hands back up and give what you've received away for the Lord. Remember three weeks ago, God cannot bless what you don't invest you cannot reap what you have not sown, and neither can anybody else. God did not save us to sit. We don't do a lot of that here anyway. <laughs> he saved us to serve. He saved us to produce fruit. We were created to be open-handed and give away the fruit that we produce. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Here at First Open Bible, we love God. We do we love Jesus. You know what else we love? We love people. We do. We love we love people. One of the pillars of First Open Bible is that we're a church family. Come together as a family. We believe that we're a family of believers. And in my opinion, you can never have too much family. You can have some bad family, <laughs> some grumpy family, some bad attitude family. But it's good to have family. Now, we understand that sowing into our First Open Bible church family is very important. We understand that. But we also understand the church has an eternal purpose to sow into the lost and to spread the whole gospel of truth, to bless, to love all the ones in our areas of influence. And we should want to be generous in all that we do and what God has called us to. You know you got a calling on your life. It might not be the fivefold ministry, but it is ministry. Your life is ministry. It's a testimony of what God has done. Amen. Our life should be producing fruit, church, so we can open up our hands and give it away. Right. You know, when it comes to preaching, it's really fun to preach on subjects that fascinate people, on subjects that are currently on the mind of the congregation. 
That's one thing I love, even when I was a youth pastor here, I loved about the church is a lot of times we would preach on what is going on. We preach on what is on the mind of people, on what people are dealing with or what is going on, right? We don't just get up and tell Bible stories, which are important, but they, they all have application to us now, right? If you're just getting up to, to say a Bible story and there's no application of what we're going on with now or how God wants that to be into your life, all you're doing is just telling stories. You could have done that at home and read it for yourself, right? But I love that about our congregation, that we seek to hear things that are valid in our life right now. And also, we like a strong word. Ain't nobody in here wants to just go, man, I feel better about myself today. I'm going to just keep going in my sinful ways. People want to be shook up, right? They want, they want the Holy Spirit to, to embrace them after he, he, he speaks to them and says, hey, you got to wake up in this area. Amen? We like strong words that change our life. Because God's word changes our life. When you encounter the living God, he will change your life. It's satisfied preaching on sermons that have immediate, practical life applications. It's easy to keep people's attention when you're preaching on subjects like money. <laughs> Because everyone is interested in it. And we deal with money every day of our lives. Truth? See, money and possessions can be tools for the kingdom of God. They can be used to glorify God. Having money and possessions is not a sin, church. Let's read what is. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. Come on, prosperity, I hope you're hearing. And, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. See, church, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money itself. Trust me, church, there's an unending temptation to always want more. Always desire greater, prettier, bigger, nicer things. Thinking that the next thing will finally satisfy you, but it never will. You're always going to crave more. No matter how rich you become or how many toys and nice things you possess, your greedy heart will always crave more. Now here's the best way to manage money in your possessions. Ready? Are you ready? Here's the best way to manage your money in your possessions. It's by becoming content. What is content? Its definition is a state of satisfaction that brings happiness. And, and while I was praying this morning, it's also a state of thankfulness that brings happiness. Your life will forever be changed if you learn to embrace gratitude and contentment. It is then you will learn to be a cheerful giver and gain freedom from pettiness and selfishness. For contentment and generosity are paths to godly living. If you're in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to read more of what I just read instead of just a couple verses. Let's, let's read some more context, shall we? Let's start in uh, verse, Timothy verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 3, and let's go through 10. It says this. I'm going to read out of the NLT. 1 Timothy's in the New Testament. It's probably about halfway through your New Testament or so. Chapter 6, 6 is the big number, that's a chapter, and then little numbers or verses, why are they in there? To help us find it. They weren't written with chapters and verses, but this is great reference for us. So 1 Timothy 6, 3 and 10, it says this, some people may contradict our teaching, but these are wholesome teachings from our Lord Jesus Christ. These teaching, teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble 
over the meaning of words. Eat that, Facebook. Come on now. Some of y'all laughing better get something right because God is also looking at your Facebook. Okay. That was free. Okay, let's keep moving. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. Why are you saying it? Verse 5. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt. And they've turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way of becoming wealthy. Yet, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Boom. Are we going to keep reading? Woo, come on now. God's word is like, aye, right? Every once in a while, you're like, oh, come on now. That's good. Verse 7. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. Just a bad attitude. Some of y'all crying. Okay. That's healthy. Make sure your lungs work. Okay. You already did it. Quit crying now. Okay. Um, And we can't take anything with us when we leave. That's so simple, isn't it? So practical. Verse 8. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Verse 9. But people who long to get rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, right? These are believers he's he's talking about. And some people, some believers craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Church, God wants you out of debt. Is it okay if I get practical this morning? Okay. If you didn't like it, too bad. That's what I'm doing. So, See, church, God wants you out of debt. It's biblical. He wants you to cut up your credit cards and trust him and not Visa. He wants to reduce your marital conflict about your finances. God doesn't want his kids living in poverty. He doesn't want you living in a poverty mindset. He wants you to work hard. Some of y'all don't even want to work. It's unbiblical. He wants you to work hard, save, and avoid get-rich-quick schemes. He wants to bless your family with financial blessings and gifts. If you will be a good steward out of your blessings and your contentment. Don't love money, church. Love God. Now, you know it's a good thing to live on a budget. Pastor said the B word in church. (laughs) (laughs) Budget. You know, it's a good thing to live on a budget. See, this is what a budget does. A budget tells your money where it can go without you dealing with guilt or regret. A lot of people say, man, a budget just tells me what I don't have. No, a budget tells you what you do have and what you can spend. You got it twisted, maybe because you're a bad manager of your money. No matter where you are in your finances right now, it is possible to honor God with your money, no matter where you're at. It just takes hard work, discipline, and a content heart. Amen? Amen. Is this good? Does it hurt a little bit? (laughs) Nervousness. (laughs) I just want to remind you all again, I hear the sermon before anybody else does. So if I don't act like I'm as hurt, that's because I've been hurt all week. Okay. I preach the way that God speaks to me, and I, I'm so thankful for it. He's so direct. He's like, with Pastor Harris, man, if I, walk, if I just circle around the bush, he ain't ever going to get it, so I'm just going to go right for it. I'm like, oh, thank you. Save me time. Save some heartache. And that's just how, this is how God gives it to me. Now, did you know this? This is pretty cool. So in the Bible, there's 500 verses on prayer. 500 in the Bible. But over 2,300 references on money and managing 
the money. There's almost five times as many verses in the entire Bible or references to money and possessions than there is about prayer. You don't believe me? Look it up. Now, did you know Jesus talked about money more than any other subject? Say, what? Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell. Sixteen of Jesus' parables he told dealt with money. There's 126 different biblical principles on finance and managing money in the New Testament alone. Now, the Old Testament book of Proverbs, it's one of my favorites, that's the book of? Wisdom. That's exactly right. The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Now, the Old Testament, Proverb, or, sorry, Old Testament book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, is filled with money management principles. One out of every ten verses in the four Gospels. Ten percent of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, has to do with money or possessions. Interesting number. That's a total of 288 verses. Church, Jesus thought it was important to talk about money. I think we should talk about it as well. Amen? Churches don't like to talk about it, but it's crazy. We get up here and we'll, we'll have prayer meetings. We'll talk about that. But almost five times as much in the Bible talks about money and possessions. And there's a reason why, church, and we're going to get into it. Now, have you ever heard the word tithe before? Some of y'all have and some of y'all haven't. You know, one thing that we, we keep, I just want to give you a little hint today, church, for the ones that have been in church for a long time. Um, you got to get out of your box that you assume that everybody knows what you're talking about or your churchy words and things like that, yeah. right? All over the world, we used to send people all over the world to preach the gospel now you just got to go to your neighbors, right? So many people in the United States of America weren't, didn't grow up in church. They don't know about church. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know about tithe. They don't know about these things. And we just assume that they do because we've been in that box. Let me tell you, you got to step out of that box. Be compassionate as if you remember what it was like the first time you heard the gospel. And you got to speak to people that way. Some of you are like, man, why does Pastor Harris uh, frequently say books of the Bible are and what that big number is and that little number is, that's because there's people that have never opened the word before. We can't, we can't move on expecting them to catch up with us. Jesus would turn around, grab them, and pull them along, right? So we need to do the same thing, right? Amen? So the word tithe, the literal meaning of tithe is one-tenth. The principle of tithing is a godly principle that will change your life forever. It's changed my life forever. My wife knows this. She's told people before. The first job I ever got was 16 years old. April 25th, 1996 uh, was the first day I started at Safeway Grocery Store. It's a West Coast chain. It's kind of like Hy-Vee. Um, and I remember my very first paycheck was like, I don't even know, probably like 47 bucks or something like that. But you know what I did? $4.70 went to my Lord and Savior. I have never not tithed in my entire life, even from my very first page. I'm, I, don't, I don't want to clap for anything. I've never not tithed because that principle has been instilled in my life. And God has blessed me from thing after thing, after uh, uh, stuff after stuff. I got all kinds of promotions I didn't deserve. I, I'm, I'm a, I, I preach in a church in, in, in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, right? These are the blessings of God through faithfulness and obedience of keeping his word true and holy in my life. And I remembered it from my very first paycheck. And it was like $4.70. It was small, but it wasn't about the money. It's about the principle, right? And so I remember tithe literally means one-tenth. And that principle, if you follow it, will change your life forever. It has changed mine. And I, I believe there's a lot of people in here today that could say the same thing. It has changed my life. See, God wants you to go from being a tipper to a tither. Some of y'all give to God as if you're going out to eat. Come on now. A tip here, a tip there, and, and you only tip when you show up. 
But God challenges every single believer to be a constant tither if you're there or you're not there, not an inconsistent tipper. Leviticus 27.30 says this, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether it's grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Church, See, that says Malachi 3.10. We've talked about this a lot before. We, we, we encourage people to come and bring their tithes and offerings. You can give online. You can give in a box in the foyer. You can give uh, through the app. You, you can send a check. Like some people send checks to the office, whatever. I haven't seen a gold bar yet, but that, that's possible, right? I'd be crazy. I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I'd get really nervous, actually, uh, if that got to the church office. But Malachi 3.10 says, come and bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Right? Come and bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And we talk about that. That's why we do it. Because it's an act of worship. Come and bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And then God says, see what I will do. Like, test me. And then he gives us what will happen if we test him. So I want us to read more than just Malachi 3.10, because we talk about that frequently here. I want us to go in Malachi 3 and start in verse 8 and go through 12. Malachi is an Old Testament prophet. Uh, so you'll find in your Old Testament, most of your Bible actually is Old Testament, at least in um, uh, amount of pages. But Malachi is an Old Testament prophet. What I love about prophets is they, they were the mouthpiece of God, right? They spoke to God's people. And, and, and oftentimes God's people would be going left or right when they should be going straight. And the, God would give the prophet a word. And then the people would accept that word. And then they would recorrect their life. And then they would go down the right path. And that would happen oftentimes and some of those prophets in the Old Testament are incredible because those prophecies and those words even now are valid for right this moment. Speaks to us even at this moment. In Malachi 3, we're going to start in verse 8, that's the small one, uh, verse 12, through verse 12, I'm going to read it in the NLT, which is New Living Translation. It says, should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You cheated me in the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for the whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring all your tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord's, uh, Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the window of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. He says, try it. Put me to the test. Verse 11, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Come on now. The, the grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then what's going to happen in verse 12? Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Did you catch what we just read in Malachi? The, the only time in the entire Bible that God says, test me. Put me to the test. God says, everyone, bring your tithes and offerings to the church house, the storehouse, the temple. And he says, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. And you're like, what? Try it. Put me to the test. This is what God says to us. If you follow this one biblical principle, you will not only become a better manager of your own money, but you will also instantly become a partner with God in your financial, spiritual future. The, the eternal rate of return on this challenge from God on our treasures, the eternal rate of return will be so great, nothing on earth can contain it. Nothing can hold it. Church, will you take God at his word? That'll preach every week. Will you take God at his word? Now, now, now let me speak to your heart for a moment because our heart, hearts 
It says in, in God's word in Jeremiah, he's a prophet. He says, our hearts are wicked, so wicked, who could even know it? So I know what some hearts are feeling right now because I've been there, I've done it, and I'll probably do it again, and I got to get lined up to it. See, we as believers don't give to get. We don't give to get. That's the wrong motive. We give to be obedient. Our chief goal in life, and Pastor Mark said it on Wednesday, and we've said it before, is to honor God and to enjoy Him forever. That's crazy. I had that in my sermon, and you all said it Wednesday. See, God is so good to us, so when we give back, we remember just how good He really is. But so many people don't give 10%. They don't give a tithe to God. And they're not only cheating and stealing from God, they're also cheating and stealing from themselves. Church, you can steal in one of two ways. You can steal by taking something that doesn't belong to you. Or you can steal by keeping something that belongs to somebody else. So Malachi, the prophet here, he's speaking to God's people in this scripture. And here's the main reason why. God's people had forgotten something about money. They forgot that their money, their harvest, was not their money. It belonged to God. The tithe was meant to be a reminder to the people who gave it that God owns it all. Church, God owns the fields. He owns the crops. He owns the livestock. He owns the silver. He owns the gold. He owns the real estate. He owns the checking account. And he even owns his own tithe. It's important to understand that when we don't give back, we are robbing God. See, that's why the tithe is more than just a tithe. It's more than just a tenth. When a person gives 10% of their income to God, what they're really doing is acknowledging that God owns the other 90% too. 10% 10% is simply an acknowledgement and a confession that God owns it all. Amen. Church, there's great power and blessings in the biblical principle of tithing and giving God back just some of what is His anyway. Some Christians are missing this wonderful blessing in their lives. We're missing this blessing. And just so you know, I get paid the same no matter how much you give or not, right? Okay? This, this is not commission-based. <laughs> Some churches do it weird. I don't know how they do it, but you know how they do it here is you get a salary. And then they say, get to work. And then you work. Probably like your job. That's, that's how it works here. So just recently... Infinity Concepts and Gray Matter Research put out these church tithing stats for evangelical Christians. I I just wrote down three of them. The first one is this. Only 13% of evangelical Christians give anything close to a tithe. That's 87% of evangelical Christians do not tithe. 19% did not even give one penny In the last 12 months to their home church, not even a cent, 19%. 26%, one-fourth, one-fourth gave nothing to their church or even a charity in the last year. I've heard this stat before, and I heard it many years ago. If every person that attended a church or said that they went to that church, right, however often they attend, by the way, if everybody attended every week all the time, I don't even know what we do for seats, but some people come like once a month or whatever. It's, it's just the world we live in now. Um, but if every person who attended a, a church that they went to, every person tithed, if that, see, see when you tithe, church, that's when you, you are obedient to what God says. And then when it comes in, then the elders who are in charge of the money and then me and, and Miss Carolyn, or mostly me, are in charge of the budgets, 
within that to make sure that we're keeping everybody in line in their ministries. That, that's then our job, and that's, that's a heavy load, uh, knowing that's God's money. Um, but if every person that gave 10% that went to a church, they said that world hunger wouldn't exist. Because you'd have enough, come on now, you'd have enough to fill all the vats, all the barns, all the storehouses that would flow over into every nation, every tribe, tongue, every people. We'd be sending people with blessings. You wouldn't even need Red Cross. You'd just need the cross. Come on now. One of the pillars of the Christian life is generosity. It's one of your major pillars of what you believe. You're like, I don't know about that. God so loved the world that he held back. He closed his hands. He got stingy with it. He wanted to buy something else. No, that he gave. And not only did he give, he gave his one begotten son. One. Why? So that you and I might be able to have salvation and come back to him. He gave it all. <laughs> One of the pillars of a Christian life is generosity. We're called by God to be open-handed. Church, are you offering what you have? Now hear me now. Like it or not, money matters. It matters to you because you need it. It matters to God because he owns it. And it matters to the devil because he wants you to worship it. Let, let me say that again. Money matters. It matters to you because you need it. It matters to God because he owns it. And it matters to the devil because he wants you to worship it. Money matters. And if you don't handle your money, it will handle you. Come on now. You cannot serve both God and possessions. Only one can have your heart and might. If you want things to change in your life, then you have to change your life. You have to be open-handed. Church, I also want you to know, personally, I don't know what one person gives in here, and I don't want to know. Please never, ever tell me. From the day I became pastor, one thing I told Miss Carolyn, who's our stewardship director, is that I don't want to know what anybody gives. I don't want to know one person and what they give. I don't want to know that. There's a reason behind that, so I can love everybody the same. I'm just as human as you are, right? I don't want to see the one that gives 10,000 and treat them different than the one that gives 100. Everybody, I want to treat them the exact same. So I have no clue. Anybody who's ever handed me money, I just want you to know how much I sweat and cannot wait to find. Like, hey, this was tithe. I forgot to give it. I was like, I don't want that. I don't want to touch it. Give it to somebody else who is in charge of it. That's not my deal, right? I just, you just put it out and I go, Carolyn! Carolyn! <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, sorry, I gotta go. Somebody's trying to hand money to pastor again. How'd you know? I can tell by his scream. It's weird. Now, some people in here say, Pastor, tithing is an Old Testament principle. We're now living in the New Testament times. Okay, understood. But I hope you understand that the giving examples we see in the New Testament are beyond the giving examples in the Old. Well done. Good and unread servant. <laughs> you see what I did. You like it, okay. He likes it. Thank you, thank you for catching that. Sometimes I tell jokes, I'm like, what? And they're like, they'll get it later. So there's this widow in the Bible, and Jesus tells his disciples a story about this widow. This lady, okay, just so you know, in the old, old um, ancient times, men always had the jobs and they always took care of the, the moms or the mothers or the, or the wives and the children, right? So if your husband dies, what widows have to do 
is basically beg. Anybody who doesn't have a way of working, what you did is you instantly become a beggar or a prostitute if you're a female. That's the way that you got around in life. That's the way that you even bought food. There was no government to bail you out. By the way, if you're getting bailed out by the government and you can work, you shame. Get, get, get over that. Get to work. The Bible says get to work. But if you need the government, hold up. If you need the government, if you need the government, because something has happened or you're unable to, hey, that's why it's there. But they didn't have the government like that. They had the Romans and they could care less about the Jews. So there's this lady and she's, she's a widow. This lady showed her incredible, almost unthinkable gratitude and faith in how she gave to God. This story shows us what an attitude and gratitude toward giving should look like. This widow gives sacrificially to the Lord, and God sees her sacrifice. Uh, ushers, will you please pass one of these out to everybody that we talked about? Ushers, go ahead. They're going to hand you one of these, and I hope you can listen while they're handing it out. Okay, everybody's going to get one of these, this little baby coin here. Hey, while they're handing that out, I want to read you the story about this widow, okay? Mark 12, 41 through 44 says this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is one of the, um, the Gospels, and the Gospels tell stories about what Jesus did. It's like an eyewitness account, and they're taking down things and how they saw it, and they heard it, and they write it down so that way we know what Jesus did. Uh, the Gospels are extremely vital to knowing what Jesus did, but also what we're supposed to do to be like Jesus. And so Mark 12, 41 through 44 says this, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people came and put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. It's a mite. That's what this is. It's a representation of a mite. Just so you know, you have to have like multiple of these mites to even equal one penny. That's how small they are. Couldn't buy a thing. A mite could not buy a thing. Verse 43, it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said this, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part out of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has to live on. Now, church, Jesus understood that even though this widow gave a small amount compared to the others, her heart was more giving because she was sacrificing. While many of the others were just tipping God out of their surplus. There's many people in here today that say they can't afford to tithe. But this woman realized she couldn't afford not to give sacrificially. Amen? Now I want you to catch this. Here's what I'm not saying. I want to tell you what I'm saying and what I'm not saying, but let me tell you first what I'm not saying. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you give without wisdom, like somebody who's a bad steward. Pastor Mark talked excellently on this on Wednesday night, that there's a way to be um, a giving, but not someone who's wasteful and without boundaries, right? There, there's a way to give in the middle, to do what God has called to. See, some people are so giving, they have their hands open and their fingers open, and it just slips through the cracks, and you go, I don't even have enough money to pay my bills. That's because you're a bad steward of what God has given you. You didn't just have open hands, you had open fingers and it just slid right through. So that's what I'm not saying, that you give like that. What I am saying is this, in the New Testament kind of giving tells us when we give to God, we're to give to him freely, cheerfully, generously, and sacrificially. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 tells us, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, or under compulsion, because God, what does he love? 
He loves a cheerful giver. Coming and bringing your tithes and offerings to the Lord should be a cheerful event. It's praise. It's thank you, God, for what you've done. I am so thankful I can even give this to you back. Cheerful giving. Church, we're not saved by works. Following the godly principle of tithing, this is not a salvation issue. If you're not a tither, that doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. That's not biblical. It's not a salvation issue. But what it is, it is a heart issue. If you do tithe, like you're called to do on all your income, it'll help improve your life, your heart, and strengthen your relationship with God. So go ahead and grab your little mite, put it in your hand real quick, okay? First off, thank you, Amazon. You got this here quickly. <laughs> Amazon Prime, appreciate you. This is a replica of a mite that potentially that widow gave. And here's what I want you to do to take with these mites. I want you to take these home, put them in your purse, put them in your wallet, Put them in your coin area, in your car, put them somewhere. And every time you look at it, remember to give to God like he wants you to give, sacrificially and cheerfully. When you look at this, church, remember the tithe. Amen? I got two pages left and we're done. We're still doing great on time. Here's the main principle behind tithing and giving. Here's the main principle. Why do we tithe? Why do we give? Here is the main principle, the main biblical principle. It's to show where your heart is. Matthew 6, 21 says this. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there also will be your heart, right? Or your heart will be there also. If, if, if somebody was to look at your paycheck, to look at your bank account, to look at what is coming out of your checking account or out of your savings, I can tell you what you think is important. Because you put your money there. You put your treasure there. We're able to give 10% to God or more of our income to God if we do that. Instantly, it shows our heart. And our heart isn't tied to money and possessions. Our heart is tied to God and our thankfulness for his blessings. When we're able to release at least 10% of our income back to God, our money doesn't have a tight hold on us. Right? Because we realize God is in control of our finances. It allows us to be open-handed with our treasures. We remember that everything we have has been given to us. Everything we have, everyone we have, has been given to us from God. Now, even though most of us probably work really hard for the money that we make every single month, every single week, even God has his hand there, church. He has given you the ability and the strength to do your job. Many who grasp what God has truly given them seem to agree that 10% doesn't even feel like enough. We are so blessed. God has given us everything. Psalm 100 says, you come to God with thanksgiving and praise. How do you even come to God? Oftentimes when I'm praying or I've maybe prayed for you before, you've called in the office or something's happened or uh, is going on, I say, hey, Psalm 100 says, come to God with thanksgiving and praise. That's how you come to him, out the gate. A lot of times we come to him, needy, 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 I need, I need, I need. How about you thank him first? How about you give him praise first? And guess what? I guarantee your prayer will be a little bit different. I mean, anybody like somebody who's needy? You know that person that always asks, asks, asks for more and more and more? Just a moocher. I'm a moocher for Jesus. If you get the right principles in your life, you'll never be a moocher. You'll have more than enough. You'll be a giver. You'll be a giver. It feels good to give. Are my moochers hearing me? Don't say nothing. Don't you say nothing. Don't you say nothing. <laughs> Church, one of the ways that we love God with open hands is with our treasures. 
Just as God loved us so much by giving his son Jesus to die for us, one of the ways we can show God that we love him back is by giving him back his tithe. Church, if you hear nothing else that I've said this morning, you've heard nothing else, please hear this right now. Don't check out. I'm almost done. If there ain't nothing else that you hear this morning, this is what you need to hear. Tithing has nothing to do with your finances. It has everything to do with your faith. Tithing is not God's way of getting something from you. You think that he needs your tithe? He walks on gold. Tithing is not God's way of getting something from you. It's God's way of giving something to you. When you put God first in the area of your personal finances, God gets involved in your finances and God blesses it and God makes sure that you will never outgive him. It can't happen. You can't outgive God. Last verse before I wrap up this page and we wrap up Sunday morning and open-handed series. Deuteronomy 14:23 says this. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. Woo. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, or the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you, it will teach us always to fear the Lord your God. Do you know what tithing does? It not only puts your money where it belongs in your life, it puts God where he belongs in your life. Now that's good. I wrote that and I think I went, ooh, mm. I mean, that's good. I love it when God gives you good things, amen? amen? Tithing is not a matter of what you think about giving. Tithing is a matter of what you think about God. Do you fear the person of God? Do you trust that he will keep his word? Do you trust the power of God to meet every financial need that you have? Do you trust the promises of God to honor you? If you will honor him? If the answer to those questions is yes, you won't have to tithe. You will want to tithe. Church, will you please stand? Worship team, can we come? Uh, when you stand, grab your little mite, put it in your open hand. Church, put it in your open hand. Grab your little baby mite. Some of y'all already lost it. My goodness. My goodness. I'm going to tell you another one of Jesus' stories about... Just playing. Okay, I'm not going there. Some of y'all buried it into your, your pew this morning. Wicked servant, right? <laughs> oh, my. If you need another one, the ushers will be glad to give you another one. Just do it quietly so your neighbor doesn't hear. <laughs> Grab your little baby mite. Put it in your hand, church, your open hand, because I got four more questions to ask you before we conclude this series on Sunday morning. Uh, Miss Kay is preaching on Wednesday to conclude the series all together. Okay, you got it in your hand, in your open hand? All right, I got to ask you something. You ready? Where's yours? I'm just playing. <laughs> Before we go this morning, let me ask you four questions. Are you giving to God what is right or what is left? Come on now. Does your money come before God or does God come before your money? Two more questions, church. Are you living open-handed? And last question, are you offering what you have? Let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you. We recognize this morning with content hearts, with thankful hearts, that everything we have and everybody we have... Can you lower the lights, please? Is from you, God. Lord, I, I know this little tiny thing that probably means 
it's probably worth almost nothing because it's probably fake and if we get it wet it'll turn green but God this is a representation of what one person gave sacrificially and so I thank you that every time we see this God that you want us to give sacrificially not only in monetary value with money but also our life what kind of giving are we giving with our prayer what about our servanthood God, what are we giving in our open hands and to the words that need to come out of our, out of our mouths to encourage one another, to pray for one another? What, what are we giving in our life about reading the word? Are we giving 10% of that of our own time to get into your word and to get into your presence? Or are we just doing it once a week and, and hoping that we're not starving the rest of the week? God, this representation of, of this little mite, I pray that as, every time we see it, Holy Spirit, convict our hearts to live in a different kind of way. We need to live open-handed. And it says in your word, and we're going to keep you at your word, that if we are tithers, you will open up heaven. You will bless us so great we won't even be able to keep it in our storehouses, in our home, in the church, in our car. We can't even keep it all. And it doesn't all have to be money, but thankfulness and joy, God. Even in our, in our giving, people will get set free from sicknesses and diseases. God, there'll be a shifting in our life, spiritually in a lot of ways. Even in our, gift, our giving and, and the tithe, God, you will change the way we think. And our gratitude and, and our contentment will rise up and you'll change every part of our life. We won't seek after the next big thing or that next paycheck. We'll seek after what you want. And God, I thank you for the ones that have lots of money. I thank you for the ones that, that, that are going to get bonuses and they're going to get uh, better jobs and they're going to get blessed in these ways. But God, may we remember to give it back to you because this is all yours anyway. It's all yours anyway. May we be people that are generous and cheerful as we open up our hands to our life and we offer what we have, not what our neighbor has, not what the person down the street has, not what we wish we had, but what we do have right now. We offer it to you right now. We love you, God, and we most of all trust you. We trust you with this. In Jesus' mighty name. God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, let's worship the king before we go. We love you. We'll see you soon.